everyone always has something to say relative to education. I think the fact that so many people have opinions and perspectives on the schools is wonderful. School districts are very complicated. I will tell you that assumptions get made and sometimes they're correct and many times they are not. And I want to help people understand. We are educating kids for their future, not our past. My name is Jeff Rose, and today I'm excited about our episode for a variety of reasons. Number one, I have a very special guest, and I'm going to introduce that guest here in a second. An announcement, I am by myself in terms of having a co-host. I do not have a co-host today, which is just fine, but Jason Pace is not available. However, we do have an exciting conversation coming your way. I am going to be introducing somebody that I've gotten to know fairly well over the last number of years, and I'm going to be asking specific questions on something that I consider to be extremely important. Recently, at least a podcast episode or two ago, I began to talk about teacher collaboration. It is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It's something that I don't consider the silver bullet, but as close as it gets as it relates to high quality teaching and instruction and also keeping teachers engaged and motivated and excited. And I have seen teams work really, really well. I've also seen teams being challenged, um, and often the challenge has to do with their sometimes inability or even lack of interest in terms of working together. But in today's case, we have we happen to have an expert in the room. Uh, I'm going to be introducing Allison Townsend. Allison is the 2019 Georgia Teacher of the Year. And so first off, welcome, Allison. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's two, actually two podcasts I'm going to be asking Allison to help me with. Uh, the first episode being around teacher collaboration. A few things um, that I'd like to say about Allison. I've had the chance to actually provide the surprise... Um, gathering when we first let her know, because as I was superintendent here in Fulton County, that is where Allison taught and is teaching. And uh, we got to surprise her with this, you know, amazing award, which not just at the time, at the time was just teacher of the year for the school district, correct? Yes. Yes. Right? Two years ago now. Two years ago. And, um, you know, we actually were huddled in a library. <laughs> and, you know, there was this surprise. She was going to walk in and we're going to yell surprise. And, in fact, I remember one part of that is that um, you were a fan of some instructional strategy, I think, that came from the Ron Clark Academy on how you get up and stand up on desks. Absolutely. Right? Yes. They asked me to stand up on a desk as she walked in, and so my answer was, um, no, I'm not going to do that. 
<laughs> I appreciate that uh, that is a strategy of hers, but I was not ready to do that. You know, so, everyone's but, different. We've all, we all have our own unique strategies. That's and great. That, I was a teacher, and I did not stand on and, one desk. And that's okay. Own that. Own that. Okay. Maybe, maybe in my youth I would have. So... <laughs> Anyway, um, you know, Allison is an extremely humble person, and um, she actually describes, and I'll have her do this for us in a minute, what I've appreciated is hearing her talk about being Teacher of the Year, how she tends to really honor just teachers, not herself, and does just an extreme, uh, extremely good job doing that. She's a passionate educator. Her value for student voice and student engagement and actually ownership of the classroom community um, is is impressive, and she is one who values teacher collaboration. She talks about not teaching alone, not feeling alone, and has these strategies now that go beyond actually the the school and the, her own team. But she reaches out way beyond through um, Twitter and a variety of other ways, and so she has a lot to teach me and a lot to teach us. So, with that, Alice, just just tell us about yourself. Hi. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here today. I've, I've had the opportunity this year, since I'm serving as Georgia Teacher of the Year, to be on the road a lot. And I've been driving throughout Georgia, you know, visiting different schools and districts. Um, and that means a lot of time in the car. So I, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast during that time. <laughs> so um, I've been teaching seven years um, here in Fulton County. Um, my experience is in elementary education. I've taught pre-K and third through fifth grades. Um, but my passion for collaborating with other teachers doesn't stop just with elementary. Like, I, th I think we all have so much to learn from each other, whether it's, you know, different middle school, high school, beyond. Sure. We have so much to learn from each other. And so this year, serving as Georgia Teacher of the Year, that has been something I've been most excited to do is get to meet so many different incredible people, teachers from around the country and teachers right here in, in Georgia that are just doing amazing work and getting to see what they're doing, talk to them, share ideas and inspire each other. So you said seven years, correct? Yes, since 2012. Right. And you're about to head back into the classroom. Yes. Um, as of kind of July 1, that's the, you know, quote, official handing of the baton yes. and so forth, Off right? Off to our, our next Georgia Teacher of the Year, yes. And back into the classroom. And so, you know, number one, I'll ask you more about your experience over the past year because you've been able to see a whole different perspective inside mm -hmm. to schools and teaching that I can only assume that you wouldn't have known about teaching in, you know, at, at Barnwell Elementary. Yeah, I had I had no idea. I, I sometimes I say I lived in my little Fulton bubble sure. or even my my own school bubble and that I saw what was happening in my classroom and I and I saw the teachers that I worked with every day and our students, but I had no idea what was happening even sometimes just schools down the road, but also schools way across the state of Georgia and beyond. So now you have heard me talk about the importance of why I think that's really important if you, the ability to tell your story, not necessarily from birth until, but <laughs> this is why I'm doing this work. Yes. How would you describe your why to us? So I would say, honestly, I did not always know that I was going to be a teacher. That, mm. that wasn't something I, I grew up knowing that I wanted to do that. I had other people telling me that maybe I should consider education, but what, what do they know? Right. <laughs> um, and so I went to college. I went to Clemson University for graphic communications. And 
even though other people had recommended teaching as a career, I had thought that that seemed like a small career. It wasn't something that I was, I was interested in because I wanted to live this big, bold life full of impact. And so of course that couldn't be teaching. At least that's what I thought at the time. And so I was at college and I was studying abroad. And when I was studying abroad, it was my first time out of the country. And I really started to see the world for the first time and experience all these different things. And it made me want to have an even bigger impact. And the more of the world I saw, the more I realized that the only way you could have a great impact is by having a ripple effect, by inspiring one person to go inspire another person. And that kind of naturally led me to the career of teaching. And so I came back, I changed my major, got into teaching. And the thing that I've learned along the way is I had thought teaching was a small career. I was, I was afraid I'd, I'd feel trapped in a classroom, but I've learned that there's no bigger career than teaching. Getting to have that impact beyond just myself and the people that I meet um, has been amazing. And then the other part has been that my colleagues and I have worked so hard in tearing down the walls of that classroom and connecting with teachers around the world and students, connecting our students to people around the world as well. So that's kind of my big why is to have an impact. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear that at one point in time you had this perspective, you said small career. Yes. Right? And um, how you realize now as being a teacher that it is actually not that. Oh, yeah. No way. <laughs> and I'll say, and this is, this is almost like a promotion of our next podcast, even <laughs> in the middle of this one, I do think it's important that the, the narrative of teaching the reality of what it really is and what it can be is somehow told. Because yes. I don't think people know. Yes. The fact that you said small career, I think lots of people make assumptions relative to what teaching is and what teaching is not, mm-hmm. and often they're incorrect. Oh, I meet people all the time that I say, oh, I teach third grade, and they say, that's cute, or how sweet, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm making change, I'm doing big things. Right. And so it, it is big, and we need to change that narrative. We need to change the story. So so let's shift to this topic, teacher collaboration. Yes. I, um, I, I'm going to do my best not to launch back into a lecture <laughs> of what I find to be really, really important in terms of the structure and the system and the clarity specific to the definition of collaboration, which for me was always this level of discourse among professionals that impacts practice and therefore results. Mm-hmm. It's not chit chat. It's not just hanging out in the staff room. It requires focus. It requires organization. It requires a lot of agreements and a common culture and expectation in a building to truly drive out the best practices of people. Absolutely. I think it's a give and a take. It's not just, oh, here's a lesson I planned that worked well with my class. Here you go. Take it. Yeah. It has to be a back and forth. Which, which is hard for teachers, I believe, because I think teaching is very personal. Yes. And if you truly love the children that you're supporting... Well, it becomes even more personal. Absolutely. So sometimes what I call deprivatizing and talking to your colleagues on when things are going well and when things are not is hard. How would you describe the, you know, how teaching is so personable, which makes, you know, this deprivatization challenging? I mean, it, it can be challenging. I, I remember when I first started teaching, one of the number one advice that, that people would give me was just close your door and teach. Don't worry about what's happening outside your classroom. And I, I think that can be a really toxic piece of advice to give someone, especially a, a new teacher. I think we need to be, you know, 
tearing down those walls, opening those doors and, and inviting people in. Now, in so your first couple of years, what, what did you notice worked that allowed you or promoted you to open your door, so to speak? Well, honestly, my first couple of years, I struggled with that. My first few years teaching, it was all about, I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to show that I you know, deserved to be there in that classroom, to be those children's teacher. Um, and so I was trying to prove that I could do it and I could do it alone. And I, I was wrong, it was, it was hard. And, and I was facing challenges that felt like no one else was, was dealing with. And I struggled because I was trying to do it by myself. And so really the, the thing I learned right off the bat was that I had to find my tribe. I had to find people that I could collaborate with. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that there's more than one way to do that. Um, I think, you know, you can partner with other teachers that you kind of have the same things that you're working on. You can, you can find people online. If, if they're not at your school, you can find them on Twitter or other places like that. And then there's our more formal ones like PLCs where people kind of come together for too. So knowing that there's not just one way to collaborate with people has been a huge area of growth for me. And it's kind of what, what helped drive me and my personal growth as a teacher as well. Did you have at one point somewhat of a rude awakening within your first year or two where someone pulled you aside and said, listen, you know, Allison, it'd be great if you were even more part of our team as opposed to trying to take on the world on your, you know, yourself? <laughs> or did you notice this and it was kind of this... How did you make that shift? I think, well, the first couple of years, I was on this rock star team of teachers that worked wonderf- wonderfully individually. Every, it was veteran teachers that just knew what they were doing. They went in their classroom and they were incredible. But then there I was, the new teacher, not knowing what I was doing and trying to take pieces from each of them. So I kind of struggled finding my footing with that collaboration at first. I think, honestly, it was my principal who was the first one who started to pull me into collaborative groups. We, we put together a group on personalized learning. We knew that was going to be an initiative that our school was going to take on. And he asked me to come be a part of that group and share my ideas and collaborate with each other and learn from people. And I think that was my first really positive experience with the collaboration that um, really worked. And that's when I started to say, okay, you know what, maybe it's not about proving myself by myself. It's about working with these people and coming up with something greater than we ever could have done alone. So my first year of teaching, which was not six or seven years ago, (laughs) um, I was part of a fourth and fifth grade team. We taught a fourth and fifth grade blended class. They were, we had six of us. So um, actually I was the seventh teacher of that team. And one challenge when you're teaching a blended class is this huge span of not just skill set, but also curriculum. Oh, absolutely. And so this team, prior to my arrival at the school, had designed uh, very clear standards, these uh, assessments that would allow the team to constantly be divvying up the fourth and fifth grade class based upon skill set. So they Mm -hmm. would take a particular unit, they would pre-assess, sometimes group students accordingly and then teach reassess and then regroup wow it was this was years and years ago that that sounds like things we're trying to do now yeah (laughs) really really impressive and they brought me into this and they said jeff this is how we're going to do it we're going we work together in math and this is how we're going to work together Mm -hmm. in math and i listened and my response was that sounds great but i'm out yeah i'm not going to do that and of course, I'm a brand new teacher. I can imagine what they were thinking. And the reason was, I just thought 
you know, these are my kids. I'm not going to give them up. Right? And by the way, I think I got this. Mm-hmm. I think I got this. Within about two, three months' time, I realized I just didn't have it. Right? <laughs> I mean, I could tell based upon the results of my kids in comparison to what the other group was experiencing was just different. I eventually had to come to this team and apologize like this mea culpa <laughs> and let them know I thought I could do this, but you're more effective working as a group than I am working alone. That was my first rude awakening as potentially an overconfident first-year teacher. Yeah. You well, know? well, that journey is so important, too. I think sometimes if, if they had told you to do that and you just went along with it, I don't know if you would have seen the value in it had you have not kind of tried to do it on your own first, learn from it, and then come back to them and be like, okay, now I'm ready to really invest in this. So as tough as those couple months probably were and as hard as it was for you to go to them, it probably was a good Thing to help you value that collaboration. I've uh, I learn often from trial and error, yes. and I, so I'm very very fortunate because I make lots of mistakes. That's how I That's feel right. every time I make a mistake. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've experienced probably um, some some really stellar teaming that happens. Yes. So, how would you describe the, the conditions that are really important to you know what what actually you know, makes for a quality team? What are some of maybe the components or the strategies or the infrastructure that you have found to be important? Yeah, so I've I've been on some great teams. Sometimes they're more informal. Sometimes it's that teacher down the hall that I, she and I might be collaborating and, and realizing that we have a problem that we want to solve together and we'll you'll, we'll come together and, and work an entire year on it. For example, a couple of years ago, I um, the first year I was at Barnwell Elementary, um, a teacher and I had this idea to um, flip learning in math. And mm. we wanted, but since it was third grade, we didn't want to use videos that other people had created. We wanted to create them ourselves. Now, this would have been huge if one of us was trying to create videos on every standard alone. But she and I kind of worked it out, the why behind what we were going to do, and then the how. And then we worked together. We sat together every week, and we would work on those videos together, and we'd think through them together, and then we would try different ways to implement them in our classroom. And that was so powerful for us that year. Um, but then sometimes they're more formal. I know I've been on PLCs sometimes that aren't as effective because it feels like you're just there checking off that you did it that week. But then some groups you get really are working together and value the reason why they're there. And I think that is the most powerful because one thing I've noticed is that the greatest change, the greatest change that I have seen hasn't come from above. It's never going to come mm. from the top down. It's always going to come from within. So if you have a group of people that are passionate about the work and want to find a solution together, even if they have differing opinions, they're going to work together and make something exceptional together. So you gave an example. You said, you know, you talked about this, this flip example. First yes. off, make sure the audience knows. What does that mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So flipped learning is basically instead of the teacher lecturing at the front of the classroom, you can record mini lessons and then have students watch those mini lessons either at home or at school. And the way that we were using it is since we were teaching multiple levels of math every day in the same classroom, um, while I'd be meeting with a small group of students, other students might be watching a video of me teaching something else. Got it. Yes. Okay, so this is an example. There's you and one other teacher. Yes. As opposed to, say, the principal or it being a central office yes. initiative saying, you know what we're doing? We're flipping in this particular way. Yes. And what you're saying is those would be 
probably have different varying levels of success based mm-hmm. upon where it was born. Yeah. The things the things that came from above were empowerment and trust. The fact that I work for leadership that trusted us to make decisions like that and to try something innovative and new like that with risk of failure um, gave us the opportunity to go full force into that. So I think the leadership did have a role to play in that, but it wasn't them saying this is exactly what you need to do and how you need to do it. So then where, give me some examples, and you you mentioned a little bit, you said at times if a team is too contrived yes, or um, if they are maybe held too tight in terms of what they're expected to do in a maybe yes. a form of a PLC, mm-hmm. then it's not as natural. Yes. So maybe give me an example or uh, help me understand when sometimes collaboration doesn't work so well. I think um, it's the difference between starting with a question versus starting with a demand. So if someone says, this is exactly what you need to do and how you're going to do it, um, there's going to be less enthusiasm, you know, and less enthusiasm for that thing versus um, someone saying, hey, this is what we noticed. This is the challenge. How are we going to work through that together? Um, another, t- another example I can think of is a couple years ago, I was working at Shaker Egg Elementary at the time, and we decided to create a fourth and fifth grade academy where fourth grade and fifth grade teachers were working together with um, the students in all areas teaching them. Um, similar to what you were describing with what your team was doing when you mm-hmm. first started teaching. And our principal didn't come to us and say, this is exactly what I want. This is what I envision. No, he came to us and he had some ideas and inspiration and questions. And then we were the ones that were problem solving and really getting behind what we were going to do. And what we came up with was awesome. So I think that that was pretty powerful as well. There's a, I told the brief story in my last collaboration podcast um, episode about a particular teacher that was incredible this incredible teacher and this teacher was up for an award and mm-hmm. um, I ended up being the the stopgap to that because I wasn't comfortable acknowledging um, this teacher due to sometimes a lack of a collaborative spirit. Yes. Um, what advice would you have for teachers that are out there that either may be struggling or very successful but maybe struggle to collaborate mm-hmm. with their peers and kind of spread their influence or expertise, what would you say to them? I think one of the most powerful mind shifts that I've had since I've been a teacher is realizing that when my students and your students become our students, that is when greatness happens. That's when the magic happens and you can do incredible things with all kids. It also starts evening out the playing field. It helps if there's inequitable things happening in your school, in your district, in your state, by collaborating with each other, that starts leveling out that playing field and making it more equitable for all kids. So let's just shift this to leadership a little bit. I've mentioned before, and I truly believe that the majority of leaders typically actually don't have a title, a a leadership title. There are some that do. So for example, a principal, you would expect them to have a leadership role. But they also have, you know, this this title of a principal. Most leaders actually don't have that. They just find a way to influence and step up. So obviously, as a leader yourself, Mm -hmm. and, you know, before you were teacher of the year, 
you were a third grade teacher. Yes. Right? That some people would say, oh, how nice, how sweet. <laughs> how sweet. Now, and yet you led. Yes. So talk a little bit about teachers leading from within, specifically because you just mentioned how important that is. Yeah. So I, th- I think the most important thing about teacher leadership or any leadership, honestly, is not just that you're up on a pedestal telling people what to do or anything. It's not even just that you're inspiring other people with your ideas. The best leaders that I know empower other people to become leaders as well and to give them the confidence to step up and own their voice as well. So I I think there's a big piece to that in collaboration is that we need to be sharing our voices, but we also need to be empowering each other to help them share their voices too. Whether it's a first year teacher or a 30th year teacher, we all need to be sharing our voices and finding ways to highlight each other. I've, I've recently established a new organization called Leading Ed Solutions where we're gonna be pulling leaders to work together. And I believe uh, leadership can and should be a team sport. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes leaders actually have a harder time collaborating with one another, yeah. um, especially when they do have a title. Yes. <laughs> um, so I guess what I'm curious about from your perspective is what, what have you noticed and what advice might you have for leaders in terms of collaborating with each other, but also collaborating with those that they're supporting or maybe even supervising? What have you noticed to be some really important attributes of leaders who do that well? So I think the first one is trust. Uh I mean, if if you want to empower people, you have to trust them. And that can be tough. That can be scary because a lot of times if things don't go wrong as the leader, it's going to come back on you. So that can be a scary thing to do. But if you don't trust the people that you're leading, then they're never going to step up and do great things. So making sure that they trust them. Um, I think the the next thing is to help people set norms for what they're doing and hold themselves accountable versus you telling them this is exactly how it has to be done and this is what I'm going to do if you don't. Uh-huh. So how, just teaching them how to hold themselves accountable to do those things. And then the other one is to make sure that we're not just sitting around talking. I, th- I think sometimes that one of the biggest challenges we have in education is time. There's never enough time for things. And especially if you're talking about a formal PLC or, or any form of collaboration, if pe- people feel like they're wasting their time, it's not going to be effective. So the way that we make sure that, that we're using our time effectively is seeing does what we're talking about lead to change? How will it impact real students in our classrooms? Okay, so we're not going to dive too far into assessment. Yes. Okay, but you talked about measuring just now. Okay. Right? So, you know, it shouldn't just be chit-chat. No. Right? We should actually know whether our instructional strategies, our ideas, our concepts, our models are actually having an impact on kids, right? Yes. So within the collaborative process, supported by leadership, what are we talking about as it relates to how we assess? What is the, what's, the, what's the most pure form of that? I mean, I think, like you said, just kind of deciding what will the data points be? What are we looking for? And sometimes that can be different forms of assessment, whether um, they're formal assessments or um, formative assessments that we have. Or maybe it's just student behaviors that we start to notice. Before we did something, we noticed that kids did one thing. Mm -hmm. Versus after you implemented something, you're noticing different behaviors in them. That can be success as well. So being aware that that there's different ways to measure success other than a test score um, is pretty important. 
So if you were to um, if you were to leave your currently elementary elementary school, yes, and you were to um, go somewhere else and enter into uh, a school or environment that was less collaborative than what you're currently experiencing, yes, what do you think uh, what do you think you would do about that? I th- I think you kind of have to start out as a quiet leader. Nobody wants you coming in and and making a lot of noise. One thing I've I've noticed over time is if you let people come to you, they'll tend to want to work with you more and collaborate with you. So kind of just showing people different ways, making resources available to them, making them realize that, you know, this isn't a competition for me. I'm not trying to be better than anyone else here. I'm here for the kids. I'm here for my students. And so finding ways to just show them quietly, hey, this is what's happening in my classroom. See what how the students respond to it. See um, what the data is showing on it, but then also making it so it's like, hey, how can we collaborate on this? What ideas do you have? And sometimes going to other people and asking them for their advice and, and seeing them as a leader can help them step up as well. I, you kind of know that one thing yeah. where it's the child says, my teacher believed I could, so I did. I, I think the same is true for teachers as well. If, if we have someone who believe in us before we even prove that we can do it, sure. someone believes in us, we're going to step up and do everything in our power to live up to that. So I, I think it's a combination of leading quietly, but also empowering other people and saying, hey, you know what, you've got this too, and, and you have something to offer. Now, you, you probably now, especially more than ever, would understand that not only every, is every classroom different, yes. every school is different, uh, every district is different, mm-hmm. right? And now that you've seen so much more than the past year, what are what have you noticed in terms of uh, teachers outside of your current environment as it relates to maybe their yearning for collaborative practices? Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting since I've been traveling the state this year and seeing different schools and district how different. I mean, some things are very similar. A lot of I mean, we love our kids everywhere we go. We're going to love our kids, and you'll see some commonalities. But then there's so so many differences as well. There's many inequities as well. Funding, resources, um, opportunities, things like that, that are definitely a challenge different places you go. But people do, they do have that curiosity there of of what more can education be. So one thing I, I like to talk about anytime I go someplace new is just the opportunities that are out there to collaborate, even if it's not in your school. Just going onto Twitter and finding people there and then not just being passive and watching or tweeting, but actually working with people and building relationships with people that way. I know years ago, um, I was actually feeling pretty isolated in this profession sure, and sure. I just, I didn't really know who to turn to. And that was one of the first things I did was uh, I was encouraged to join Twitter. And at first it was just kind of like tweeting out different ideas of things I was doing and and you know, retweeting other people. But then all of a sudden I noticed that I was starting to connect more and more with certain people and it built into these relationships so much so that there have been people that I've met on Twitter that I then Skype with and we go back and forth about how we can do student-led conferences. And then we both implement it in our classrooms from states away from each other. Or I've worked with other teachers who um, we've kind of talked about ideas for project-based learning units And then we've worked together on actually how can we make that happen for our kids. So I just think knowing that there's different people out there, whether it's at your school or whether it's online or whether it's somewhere else, you can find them and you can build those relationships where you can collaborate with them. And then that helps kids everywhere. So 
I'm going into now this new venture as it relates to gathering leaders yes. and working on a collaborative model. Just what advice do you have for me? As it, what do you think I need to consider to uh, help others? You know, maybe um, own the kind of the, the spirit and enthusiasm specific to working with other colleagues that you have. Yeah, I, th I think you kind of said it there is that they have to own it. So it can't just be, this is my idea and this is what we're going to do. It's going to be, how, how are we going to solve these problems? How are we going to have an impact? And then giving them a voice along the way. Um, I know a, a lot of times when things aren't going well, it's because people don't feel heard. And so making sure that every team member, every person um, has a chance to share their ideas, share their concerns, and then collaborate together, I think that makes all the difference in the world. Fantastic. Now, so... Um, I do, I'm going to close this up. The, the good news for me is that um, it's easier because we're going to have a second episode. Yes. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, we will shift topics, but kind of for session two with Allison, which will be the very next podcast we post, um, we are going to be talking about teacher morale and the potential as well as the challenge of what we're seeing throughout the country. And as you may notice, Allison, Allison's perspective really, really makes a difference and helps us, and your enthusiasm is infectious, and I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> thank so you. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Once again, I am Jeff Rose with Leading Education. I hope you have a wonderful week. Good? listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose, hosted by Jason Pace and Jeff Rose, and recorded at Serendipity Labs in Alpharetta, Georgia. We are produced and edited by Carson Pace. Our theme music is by Full Year of Panic. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.